What is up, Janksters? It's your boy, Graham, also known as HamHawks42 on the internet. And today we have another edition of the Overthinking MTG podcast, the unscripted, unedited show where I look at an individual magic card and talk about it for a while. And today we are looking at Seraph Realm Eater. Now, there are a couple of reasons that we're looking at this card. One, it's interesting. It's an older card that never really found a home. Um, and we're... I don't know, I haven't visited it, or I haven't revisited it in a while, so I kind of am curious, is it any good? Uh, but, also, uh, it, this was actually requested, actually, I have a lot of reasons <laughs> for reviewing this one. Um, it was also requested yesterday in the comment section of the video that I posted then about uh, Colossus Hammer. I shared an anecdote about Colossus Hammer uh, in yesterday's video, and somebody asked, hey, could you do an episode on Seraph, the Realm Eater? And you know what? It's funny. I was actually thinking, like, well, I need to do another episode of Overthinking, and I didn't have one in the can, so I was like, well, yeah, why not? And the card's really cool. Additionally, there is art that Wizards of the Coast shared with us on Twitter recently. Actually, I believe it was just earlier yesterday as you're watching this or today as I'm recording this, um, that shows Kaldheim being invaded by the Phyrexians. And the artwork is pretty shocking. And in it, there is a figure that looks an awful lot like Seraph. So I'm gonna go ahead and pull that up on the screen now for those of you watching the video feed on YouTube. Um, yeah, so this is the Phyrexian invasion on Kaldheim. You'll notice, you know, we have the Viking style long ships. Things are looking pretty gnarly. We also see the roots of the seed core, the twisted Phyrexian world tree burrowing into all these different worlds. It's really kind of horrifying, um, if I'm honest. But there are two major, very large, imposing figures that are presented in the, you know, kind of, well, in the mid, in the mid-ground here. Um, mid-ground, is that what it's called? In I'm, I don't know. I don't, <laughs> I, I'm not a graphic artist. Anyway, we see on the left-hand side, we have a figure that's clearly Toski, the squirrel that we know uh, who would scurry about and carry, like, messages and things um, across the different realms throughout the trees, uh, or throughout the limbs of the world tree on Kaldheim. Toski's freaking awesome. We love that squirrel. I do anyway. And it's a bummer to see Toski completed here by the Phyrexians. We know, and the reason that it's very clearly Toski, you'll notice the, the incredibly long kind of flat ribbon-like tail. That is something that's very unique to Toski's design. And so I feel very confident that is who we're looking at here. And it's clear, like, the, the figure is much spinier. The Their colors went from kind of this, like, muted, very earthy green to all of a sudden being, like, dark and red, like, black and red, which is, like, eh, that's not good. Uh, yeah, they look super Phyrexian, <laughs> super Phyrexian. But on the right-hand side... We also see another figure that is larger than life. It is a some kind of quadruped animal. And given the context, I'm pretty confident that is Seralf, the Realm Eater, the wolf, the cosmic wolf on call time that we're talking about today. So it's interesting that Seralf and Toski both have been taken over by Phyrexia. That's kind of horrifying too, because both of these beings are these large, like they're not actually gods per se, but they're incredibly powerful, large, you know, imposing 
forces of nature effectively. You know, we see in every image depicting or every instance that, you know, we experience Seraph in the story, they're larger than life. This this is monstrous force in th that is, I believe at one point described as like living at the end of the world or something crazy. Like it's just, it's a big mythological monster. And the, it's clearly also just like, uh, let's call it what it is. This is a top down um, design based on the Norse mythology character of Fenrir, who is uh, like no big deal, just the creature that kills Odin at Ragnarok. I guess, spoiler warning for anybody who didn't know Norse mythology as it relates to Ragnarok. Um, Fenrir's a big freaking deal. So of course the, the magic equivalent is a big deal as well. So let's get to the card itself. The original card that was printed in Kaldheim was a rare. It was a 3-3 three, three for 3, one black green, my favorite color combination, for a legendary wolf. Whenever a permanent and opponent controls is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, put a plus one, plus one counter on Seralf Realm Eater. At the beginning of your upkeep, if Seralf has one or more plus one, plus one counters on it, you may remove all of them. If you do exile each other non-land permanent with converted mana cost, uh, less than or equal to the number of counters removed this way. So the design is interesting. It also, and actually now that I'm reading it and looking at it again with kind of fresh eyes, um, I talked about it like when Call Time was coming out, you know, at this point, I believe two years ago, like um, it was it was some time ago. And I thought that, actually, was it longer ago than that? In any event, the card was always interesting to me, but I'm now realizing one key flaw in this card that makes it difficult um, to really, I don't know, a part of why I think it never really saw a home. That ability, the triggered ability on upkeep, you remove the counters and blow up the board, is very, very powerful um, because you can exile everything. It, Seraph cannot exile itself, which is great. It's also an exile, not a destroy, so it gets around indestructible and those kinds of things. So that is a powerful effect. However, in order to fuel that, in order to get the plus one plus one counters on Seraph, unless you're doing other plus one plus one counter shenanigans, because that there are tons of ways to get those counters going. So if you're doing that, then disregard what I'm about to say. But if you're, you know, if you're not doing that, to get these counters on Seraph to begin with, you have to be destroying your opponent's things. You know, your opponents, and I'll say if they have to be destroyed, not exiled. So if you're destroying your opponents permanence already it makes it I don't know it, it's odd that the payoff is destroy a bunch of their permanence because you've already been doing that so in order for Seraph to be strong you have to be blowing up your opponent's board like throughout the course of the game so by the time you actually have an opportunity to pop this off and wipe the board they already don't have anything or they presumably have very little to the point where if you're successful in getting the plus one plus one counters on Seraph, then I'll, then wanting to hit that emergency release valve and actually blow everything up is probably not going to, you're probably not going to do that. That said, in, uh, in commander, this could be fantastic alongside a whole bunch of controlling removal spells. If you have a ton of kill spells, you get Seraph on the battlefield early. Also run a bunch of protections because why not? You get Seraph on the battlefield early, and all of a sudden, um, as you're killing your opponent's stuff, your commander is upticking, 
and you're dealing commander damage to the other players at the table as you're clearing paths for Seraph to be attacking in on them. And then if any one player gets too big for their bridges, you can just pop this on upkeep and blow everything up. Now, one of the major downsides with that kind of game plan is the timing restriction. Seraph doesn't have the ability that says, you know, at instant speed, remove number of counters to exile all the things. If that was on this card, this card would be phenomenal. It would be huge, frankly. Like, it would have found a home in some kind of, you know, Saltai or Abzan control deck that would have existed in standard when Seraph was in standard. But it really didn't. Or, you know, it, any decks that were leveraging those colors maybe had like one or two of this card. Like I have seen Seraph hit the battlefield in 60 card construction formats. And every time it feels underwhelming. This is a card that reads like it should be incredibly powerful, but in practice doesn't quite get there, which is kind of wild. Cause it is also just a three, three for three in a relevant creature type. Like there is support for wolves. I mean, if you want to go Jund, you could do all kinds of like werewolf, wolf shenanigans and Seraph could fit in that kind of a deck very comfortably and it could be pretty powerful. Now, a lot of the time with wolves, if you're going the werewolf route, you generally want to go Grohl because green and red have the most like hasty werewolf threats. So that's a good way to go. So having to splash black for Seraph probably isn't worth it. And those decks tend to want to end the game quickly because, you know, in, in proper aggro fashion, whereas Seraph is really more of a controlling grinder. Like this wants the game to go long so it can grow and grow and grow and potentially wreck your opponent's day. Now, note also, you exile each other non-land permanent with converted mana cost you know, less than or equal to this man of value, I should say. So it hits your stuff too. You need to be aware of that. You have to be very sensitive to that because if, you know, you, if you have a large board state yourself, this is going to hurt you real bad, which is a bummer. Yeah. Also, you do need to have one or more plus and plus encounters. You can't just auto kill tokens just cause I wish you could, that would be so good. But yeah, so Serral for Elmeter, the card is, Awkward is the problem. The effects are all very powerful. Both of these effects independently are strong. So whenever a permanent opponent controls put into a graveyard from the battlefield, whenever any permanent dies, you get a plus one, plus one counter. They crack a treasure token, boom, counter. They crack a blood token, boom, counter. They, um, you know, activate their blood tithe harvester to try to kill one of your things, boom, counter. Like, there's so much. The, any kind of sacrifice effects, you kill their thing, boom, counter. Like... The, the card, like, Seraph is capable of growing quickly and becoming very, very big. And we're in black and green. I mean, we're in a situation where if you're, it, like, these colors have access to fight spells and kill spells, it's not hard to blow up your opponent's creatures. It's, it's just not. And so if they have creatures, Seraph is going to get big if you've built the deck around that. And the ability to remove the counters from Seraph, um, that gives you that emergency release valve. Now, there is another f challenge, another issue with that ability. It's all or nothing. So if throughout the course of the game, like let's say I have another, let's say I have a Toxerol online, like I have a seven drop sitting on the battlefield. If throughout the course of the game, my opponents have sacrificed stuff, 
and I've killed stuff and Seraph has like nine counters on it, but they have chump blockers, let's say. So like, I'm not getting in for damage. So those plus one plus one counters aren't quite getting there. Maybe they're not quite doing it for me. Um, although if I have a Toxtral, that's probably gonna get rid of chump blockers. But let's assume for, the, for this hypothetical, they're blanking Seraph's attack in some way. The upkeep rolls around. I don't have the opportunity. I cannot remove six of the of the nine counters that I have on Seraph. I, I can't, I don't have that choice. I have to either remove all nine or none at all. And so if I fire this and blow up my opponent's board, I lose my Toxtral and it goes to exile. So if I'm doing any kind of reanimation shenanigans, I, I don't have it anymore. Like I need to somehow sacrifice or destroy Toxtral before triggering this if I want Toxtral to not get blown out. Um, so it's it's awkward. It's just awkward. Um, but I love the idea and I love the design. And Seraph is a powerful character who's capable of doing amazing, huge, world-shattering things. Now, the mechanics on Seraph Realm Eater from Kaldheim don't quite line up in, you know, in really in a competitive way. But we don't know if Seraph is going to be getting a card in March of the Machine. I'm assuming Seraph probably will not get a specific card in March of the Machine. I'm assuming they're going to be somehow represented holistically on Kaldheim's, you know, because we have this art, which is like clearly, you know, a scenic shot. Um, so I, honestly, also, there are just so many legends throughout all the different planes. And if they gave a single card to all of them, March of the Machine would be like 2,000 cards. And like they just can't reasonably print that, which is part of the reason I'm sure they're doing the team-ups. So I don't expect to see a Seraph card. Uh, I, I want to. I want to see what a completed Seraph looks like because I'm kind of terrified of it, and I want to see what it can do. I think we're, all, we're far more likely to see an individual Toski card because that squirrel is so well-loved. It's funny. When that image hit Twitter, it's just a whole swarm of people going, oh, my goodness, not Toski. Meanwhile, Seraph's is like, I'm here too. Like, no? Okay. <laughs> I find that kind of funny. But yeah, so Toski's clearly the fan favorite there. And Wizards, they, they know these things. So, in any event, Seraph the Realm Eater, a cool card, cool character. I'm much more intrigued by what they do with the character moving forward. And, I don't know, I would like to see individual cards for Seraph. But that said, however, we, you know, we don't know how much of the machine is going to pan out as of this recording. Uh, and I fully anticipate that a lot of these characters are going to be completely wrecked and we won't see them in this kind of style. You know, I, I don't think we're just going to see a card of Seraph moving forward. Um, I, I don't know what that means. I don't know, but there's been a lot of speculation and a lot of talk, including from, you know, Wizards employees saying that everything is going to change after March of the Machine. So... With so few details, I don't want to go into too much speculation, but we know or can reasonably infer that Seraph has been completed. And so they've been Phyrexianized, and uh, we shall see where this goes. So anyway, thank you so much for checking out the episode. I appreciate it very, very much. And thank you also uh, for the request the for a Seraph 
episode. I appreciate that very much. If you have cards that you really enjoy that you would like to hear me ramble about, please post them in the comments on YouTube. I'm much more likely to see them there. You can also hit me up on my Discord server. Uh, there is a link to my link tree in the description on the podcast as well as in my as well as YouTube. So feel free to hit me up there. Um, and I would love to talk about your favorite card for 10 minutes or more, depending on you know, depending on how the conversation goes. Um, anyway, thank you so much. I appreciate you, and I'll catch you on the next one. <laughs>